0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Get German Football News podcast where today we're going to be presenting our half season special. A somewhat little impromptu award show if you will where we're going to cover a range of different Bundesliga categories in the process. As always I'm your host Nathan Evans and today I've been joined by three very special guests. The first two you'll be very familiar with of course, on this podcast is our two German football experts in Drew Thompson.
1: Good
2: morning, good afternoon.
0: <laughs> and of course, Tom Fenton. Hi guys, great to be here. Good stuff, good to have you both. And obviously, our third guest today is a voice of the FIFA gaming franchise. He's also the lead Bundesliga commentator for ESPN and the host of everybody's favourite Twitter video series, Backgarden Bundesliga. It's of course, Derek Greer.
3: Hello Nathan, thank you very much for having me and thank you for mentioning Backgarden Bundesliga because that was my pride and joy for a few weeks during the early part of lockdown so I'm glad it was well received by the Bundesliga community.
0: Oh definitely, is there a chance (laughs) it comes back in the future?
3: It's possible, I uh, have got a lot busier with other projects since then and the weather where I live is not as conducive (laughs) to doing things like that outside but Who knows? It's just possible, maybe in the springtime.
0: Well, fingers crossed for that. Um, Well, as mentioned before, today's going to be our half-season special, perhaps a little bit earlier than the halfway point in the Bundesliga as we're recording this after matchday 15. But with German football already back in full flow, we thought the new year would be as good a time as any for this podcast. So five categories, all positive ones, so no worse team like that. You can... Still keep listening, Schalke fans. (laughs) And let's start with perhaps a team award. And we'll go to Derek first with this one. Who's been your surprise package this season so far and why?
3: Well, I'm probably going to give you an answer that the other guys will give you, but I'd have to give it to Union. Because I honestly didn't think they would be anywhere close to where they've actually landed in the table. I thought this was going to be a difficult season for them. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to gel with a team that's been based on hard work and set plays and rigid organization, incorporating a free spirit like Max Kruse. But uh, Union, lo and behold, for much of this campaign, have been up there threatening even the Champions League positions. So I think that is something that, you know, was completely unforeseen and fair play to them. I think from top to bottom, from Oliver Rohnert, who makes all the decisions off the pitch, to Urs Fischer, the coach, whose contract has been extended to to all the players. um, I sort of feel as though I I have a little bit of the, the Union story in me because I was fortunate enough to be in Koepenik on the night when they clinched promotion to the Bundesliga commentating on the the playoff against Stuttgart. So I would think, for me, it has to be Union by quite some distance.
0: Fair enough. Well, I think another person that's going to agree with you on that is Tom. So we'll let him give his thoughts, if he has gone for that.
1: Well, thank you, Derek, for um, saying that you didn't see the season coming because I've been really (laughs) cool on this podcast for predicting them to be relegated. Um, And so I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought they might struggle a bit. Um, but again, I, I'm thrilled to see them doing so well because they're a club you just have to love, really, in terms of the way they go about their business, like you mentioned, off-field off, off field as well as on-field. Um, and I, I'm going to go for Unian, but I also want to give a little bit of a mention to... Werder Bremen, because um, I thought they would really, really struggle. I had them to finish bottom because I just feared what might, what might happen over the summertime if Milo Rashica was to leave and, and uh, you know, we saw David klassen uh, move on as well. And, yes, they're in the bottom half. Yes, they certainly are no means out of a relegation battle. Um, but I think they've surprised many of us in terms of the way they've gone about their business, um, the way they've played football, some of the wins they've achieved along the way too. And I think you know Florian Kofeld is one of the most underrated managers in the Bundesliga, for my mind. So uh, I'll stick with Union, but I do think that Werder deserve a bit of a mention because they've surpassed my expectations um, given what I thought they given what I thought would transpire this season. So yeah.
0: Fair enough. Well, over to you, Drew. Are you going to make it three out of three. Or I'll go elsewhere.
2: No, you know, you know, me. Yeah, I <laughs> think I'm a little bit outside of the norm, um, and we talked about it. Uh, pre record about Union and um, just they're just so high-flying at the moment Um, given what you can maybe see on paper I think they're overperforming for sure but for me I'm gonna go with Stuttgart actually and if you look at that side it's not that they don't have the ability to be where they are Um, but as we can we've seen before many in many leagues Bundesliga included just because you have the maybe the quality on paper it doesn't mean that it all comes off for you when you you get promoted again Um, but I just feel like they're getting those performances from someone like Silas, uh, as an example. You know, Nico Gonzalez has the ability to maybe be even better than he's been before, despite his injuries. Stories like Sasha Kalayes, these are kind of those players that, you know, there's a bit of romance about it as well. You know, they're, they're managed quite well structurally. They're very good on, on, on tactics for It's just, and they've gotten some really big results as well. You know, the Dortmund result comes to mind, obviously. Um, a uh, decent performance against Freiburg you know even when they play someone like Leipzig they, they still look like they, they can they have a bit of them. so it looks like they have that staying power that you want to see and it's not just um, kind of be, be structured good at the back and maybe head on that break you know they can play expensive football when they need to and I think it's quite nice to actually see that so um, for me that would be my shot for, for that so
0: yeah I think I'd agree with Drew on this one um, obviously Onion had a fantastic second well oh, start to the second season in the Bundesliga but for me, I just like how Stuttgart have come about, you know, got promoted. They've they've come to the Bundesliga playing the same stuff. I mean, for me, it's almost telling that I'm not even looking at the victories as much, but the losses, they've only lost, I think, 1-0 to Leipzig, 1-0 against Wolfsburg. They've been in basically every game um, so far this season. So, yeah, I think I'd also go with Stuttgart for that one. Also, a little shout out to Freiburg for finishing, well coming into 2021, I think five wins in a row now. So they're going very well as well. Um, But yeah, next we'll stay on the team theme for the next category. We'll get to the player categories soon. But first we'll talk about the best match so far in the German top flight, where we've seen shock so far, some absolute batterings, if we're being honest, and obviously some uh, crazy goal fest along the way. Tom, if we go to you first for this one. your best game so far?
1: Yeah, so I mean, there were definitely a few contenders for this. Um, lots of high-scoring games, and and a few that were that were perhaps more significant in terms of what they meant. And I think Drew's got a good one um, for that. But for my money, I'm going to go for Bayern v Hertha, um back in, I think it was around October time, and it was a fabulous game because it was it was two teams who were really in it, and and we saw. Um, essentially, it, it all transpired in the second half. Or nearly all of nearly all of the goals went in in the second half, and um, had to put up a really really good fight in that game. Uh, they pretty much thought, thought they had it won. You know, um, I think they went uh, two one up with about ten minutes to go, and then all of a sudden it's the Robert Lewandowski show. He scores four and Bayern win four three, and and it's it's normal service resumed. But it was a a statement for me of intent because. I think you know Bayern had showed one or two fragilities at this point. Um, the, the defeat at Hoffenheim, which I also considered, came to mind simply because of its relevance. And again, Hertha are the team that we all think are going to join that top six, top seven. Over the coming years, so it was a bit of a, a bit of an interesting game from their perspective. You know, Kunio was fantastic as always, and um, but this was just a, a sort of uh, a statement from Bayern that you know they may there may be some fragilities there at least domestically, um, but you can't discount Bayern Munich, and you cannot discount Robert Lewandowski because just when you when you when you count them out, as we saw against Mainz last weekend, um, they they hit back twice as hard, and so. For me, this was a great statement of intent from Bayern and just to say, you know, no matter how much we we might wobble, we're always going to be Bayern and we're always going to find our way back. And uh, yeah, it was a fabulous match too, end to end and plenty of action. So I'll go for that one, please.
0: Yep, great. Uh, Over to you, Derek, if you want to go next.
3: I'm probably going to give my vote to the big Dortmund-Bayern game because I thought it was of a very high standard and Bayern ended up just having a little bit too much, just a tick better than Dortmund in the end. But I thought as a spectacle, it was fabulous. And I think we're all aware that people who are not as big Bundesliga fans as perhaps we are are magnetically attracted to this fixture. And we always hope it's going to deliver. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a, a very one-sided affair. It has been in recent years, especially at the Allianz Arena, not so much at the Signal Iduna Park. But even though Bayern won this game, um, Borussia Dortmund were very much in it. We, we saw the quality of Rafael Guerrero, his passing ability in this match. Of course, we saw Erling Haaland um, scoring as well. But I think that's... I would probably, in a, in a field that um, would be competitive in this category, I'd probably give it to that one. The other one that really jumps out for me was the Friday night contest between Wolfsburg and Werder Bremen, uh, the 5-3 game, which was back and forth, just absolutely crazy in, in a very good way. And that would probably be my second. But I think on quality, I'd have to give it to uh, Der Klassiker, Dortmund and Bayern.
0: Another solid pick. Um... I'm going to go next. I'm going to stick with the Brushy Dalton theme, and Drew's going to love this one. Uh, I'm going to go for Brushy Dalton one. FC Colm two.
2: You've <laughs> done it, haven't you? <laughs> and the reason, and I
0: know what you're thinking. You're thinking as a bias FC Colm fan. That's the reason. That's exactly what I'm thinking. In, yes. And you'd be completely correct in thinking no. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent. Yes, there's going to be bias in it, but for me, it's just it captures the german game perhaps better than any other game well it represents the games where you know colin came to town nine games in a row uh, not winning in the bundesliga everyone had written them off before kickoff you know pundits fans alike, i had no hope as a fan and it just captured the imagination of like the bundesliga really is the sort of league where on their day any any team can be any other team regardless of what stadium it's in you know which teams are put out so for me yeah i'm gonna go with that to represent the underdog story this season um drew over to you
2: fortunately it's going to be another match that features that dortmund loss. but I'm, I'm gonna go with the the stuttgart five dortmund one and it makes me sad to think about it but the reason why i did chose is even as a dortmund supporter for me again you, you saw what Sugar was about in that match didn't you and you saw some of the key performances that maybe you're getting from some of the players but also it, it, it rang in this change that I think Dortmund actually needs you know moving on from Lucy and Fabre. I think it's incredibly important moving forward for, for the project um, so I think there's kind of that watershed moment that maybe you look at some other fans that say you know Arsenal fans for example you know when things are getting pretty bad for Miguel Arteta there for a while poor result after poor result. And, you know, a lot of the fans were saying, you know, why are we sticking with them? You look at Dortmund, you know, they're already sacked off the back of, you know, a drubbing. Um, I think if you look at those two, maybe those two projects, one has been with him for a while, you know, they're giving our a little bit of a free reign to, to maybe sort of see if he can turn it around. But for Dortmund, it's very much for me, I always thought that he wasn't really the man to take them further forward. I think what he what he did when he did come in was important. He gave them more stability. He allowed them Um, to kick on some of the younger players in in, in a fashion that uh, you see them not performing under. But if you, if you want to take them to the next level, I don't think he's going to be the one. I do think that it's going to open that door for for the manager to come to maybe actually finally push Dortmund to to the brink of being able to truly actually uh, chase Bayern down one season. So I think that that's why I chose for me. It was was that that, that big moment that you needed that change. Um, Yeah. Simple as that.
0: Quite the iconic game this season. Um, So, yeah, three player categories left. I guess we'll stay with you, Drew, since you haven't been first yet. Uh, We'll go with the most underrated player so far this season in the Bundesliga category. So maybe a player who's perhaps not had all the limelight so far this season that they deserve. So who's your pick for that one?
2: I (laughs) I mentioned him before the season started. And I remember both of you were just like, I didn't consider that, but maybe not. A lot of people I wouldn't really give him a good shot, but I'm going with Vincenzo Grifo, Actually, um, I feel like he plays such a key role for fight work and anything that they do positively, whether if it's the way they can attack set pieces, the food of play plays, creativity from you know multiple positions that he can be fielded, in, whether if it's you know as a false nine he can play in that ten role, he can play out on the left, in multiple uh, iterations of it. I think for me, whenever things come off well for them and good results, he's he's at the heart of that. Um, and he's a player that people don't really mention too often if you're not really based in Germany. You know, he, for me, he always flies under the radar, and he has for a couple of years now. As um, simple as that, he would be my pick. I think he you know he, he does incredibly well for them, um, and yeah, anything that we are, are going to want to achieve this season, he's he's always central to it. So that's my pick.
0: It's a good shout, Derek. Do you want to go next?
3: Yeah, Matthias Ginter of Borussia Mönchengladbach, who I think has probably been the best defender in the Bundesliga this season, if you're analysing uh, individuals. Now, do we hear that a lot? Do we hear people saying, you know, when we talk about Gladbach, do people even mention Ginter all that often? Uh, The answer is not really. You know, they're more likely to talk about the the creative side of Gladbach and the players higher up. Um, Ginter is more of a a sort of a sleeves-rolled-up, old-fashioned defender but I think he gets just about everything right. Um, whenever I watch him, I just try when I watch Gladbach to watch the game through the prism of him for a few minutes. And, you know, I know that you can make a case for other defenders. Maybe Tapsoba at, at Leverkusen would fall in that category. But I think we, we do tend to sing his praises, whereas, um, you know, there is a German defender there. He's at the peak of his powers. He's, um, he's never been a sort of a, a, a big-time Charlie-type um, player at all. And wherever he's gone, he has been in a position to prove people wrong because everybody has doubted Ginter going back to his Freiburg days. You know, people have always said about him he's not good enough for this level or this next level or the national team level. And, you know, he has started every single game for Gladbach. And so for me, um, that would be the one, you know, a player who has excelled, yet we maybe don't really recognize as much as we should.
0: That's a great shout. It is a, uh, well, would you believe it? Very much underrated. <laughs> obviously a key cog for Germany as well now which is a uh, nice to see that he's getting that recognition as well. Um, I think I'll go next on this one if that's alright Tom just to keep him with the central defender kind of mould of discussion and for me I'm gonna go with a player that it's a very left-field shout but I'm gonna go with the 23 year old I believe he is now central defender who captained this side for the first time at the weekend Andy's played every minute in the Bundesliga so far for Augsburg, and that's Felix Adukai. Um, Obviously moved to the uh, moved to Augsburg permanently in the summer from Wolfsburg. Obviously was on loan there before the season prior. For me, yeah, just a very solid player. Every time I see him, I've been I don't know if you'd say blessed to watch Augsburg a bit more this season. But he's a player that's really stood out for them and. You know they made a very good start to the season that stood them in good stead going into this halfway point of I think they're sort of eleventh in the table. You know they're not looking over their shoulder too much. Uh, I think he's going to be my pick for that. Tom to round us off. Well, I'm very tempted to
1: stick with the uh, centre back theme and go for Willy Orban, who I think has been fantastic for Leipzig. Uh, when Ugo you know gets a lot of the praise, I think Orban can be slightly forgotten. But I'm actually going to pick um, Andre Silva. Um, and the reason I'm doing so is because, uh, you know, for many years there was a lot of hype surrounding him and, um, you know, Milan and then and initially when it came to, to Eintracht Frankfurt. And um, I think he was just finding his feet when he first arrived. And perhaps he he went up people's radar somewhat in terms of the elite strikers in the Bundesliga. Um, but this season he's really kicked on. And, and what's notable for me is that as his form has improved, so has, you know, Eintracht's um, so is their fortunes, essentially. And, um, you know, another uh, brace of penalties on the weekend. And you can just see he's starting to creep up that goal tally. Um, and for me, his overall game is really improving. And so much of of, of the way our Interactive improved as a team revolves around him and um, and him elevating his performances. And uh, I think he's really, really impressed. And, and And again, slightly under the radar. I know he's a bigger name than perhaps some of the people we've mentioned. Um, but I think, uh, but I'm picking him purely because I think a lot of people have kind of either written him off or seen him as one thing. But I think for me this season he's really surpassed that, and has and has surprised myself. And hopefully he can kick he can kick on now and and go to even bigger heights because I think he's been fabulous.
0: Definitely, I mean, I don't want to say he's single-handedly carrying uh, Eintracht at the minute, but I believe he's got 11 goals now after he's uh, yeah. in the weekend. So yeah, great shout. Um, Next we'll go with the young player of the season so far and I'll tell you what I'll go first with this one since everyone else has gone first. I'm going to opt for a man (laughs) as we spoke pre-recording about this with perhaps the best name in the Bundesliga. That's of course Stuttgart forward Silas Wamangituka. Have I got that right Derek?
3: Silas Oh, you
0: say that? That's the expert. That's the expert. Uh, <laughs> the uh, eight—I believe—he's got eight goals, three assists through 15 Bundesliga matches so far, which speaks for itself. I like—you know—he's powerful with the ball, strong in his battles. He's pacey, skillful, can beat his man either on the inside or the outside. And for me, I really like—I uh, watched them at the weekend win four-one at Augsburg. And he played as a right wing-back as Stuttgart deployed their three at the back formation. And just that versatility uh, that he has, and I believe he's still only 21 years of age, so he's got a very bright future ahead of him if he sticks with this course. Uh, Derek, if you want to go with this one next.
3: Probably seems like the obvious choice, but I think for me, it has to go to Florian Wirtz. Um, We also make his debut against Werder Bremen right after, right following the restart. And I think we wondered in his first full season, how would he cope with the demands? You know, what would he produce? Was the hype for real? Uh, Well, I, I think it has more than been for real. And they've just given him a short break. He's had sort of a minor muscular injury and they've decided to rest him by a Leverkusen. But I think just on all levels, his game awareness, his eye for a pass, his ability to set up goals, his ability in front of goal. Um, You know, people make the comparison with Kai Havertz for obvious reasons. Uh, He's not Kai Havertz. He's a different sort of player. Um, Although, as I said, no less creative. And I think the signs just are very promising. And of course, he's still going to school. You know, he's doing his, his training in the mornings. And then for a spell in the afternoon, he's doing his schoolwork. So um, I think for me, it would be hard to, to find a, a better candidate for this award than Leverkusen's Florian Wirtz.
0: Yeah, definitely a great shout. Uh, Tom, do you want to go next for this one? Yeah, well,
1: um, it is under 21, isn't it?
0: Uh, yeah, you can get is it, it right. It.
1: <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to have to sneak in Erling Haaland. I think he's, uh, he, he's just taken the league by storm. And... Um, you know, I think it was epitomised best this, uh, the past weekend against RB Leipzig, when he he just you know Dortmund had 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 gone for a bit of a tough spell and things weren't clicking properly with Jaden Sancho. All of a sudden, you put those two together again, and it's just it's fireworks and uh, and they turned the game. They linked up superbly. It was a joy to watch, and. I just love the way he plays. i love that he's he's like this uh, Frankenstein's monster of a striker he is everything you could ever want from a modern day forward he's quick he's he's strong he's good in the air he you know uh, technically he's he's superb and again i mean uh, you know it, it's it's he's got better than than a goal a game at the minute he's got twelve goals and ten appearances including that ridiculous uh, game at the Olympic stadion um he's just yeah he's phenomenal and again twenty years of age, so I can just about sneak him in. And uh I think he's going to go and do extraordinary things, whether that be in 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 Dortmund, which i which we'd all prefer I, I think, or whether that be abroad. I think he's going to go on to have a uh, a sensational career and um yeah he, he's just he's taken the league by storm, so I, I have to go for him.:
0: yep, absolutely. and then drew, that leaves you to finish this uh category. Off.
2: See, I was going to go with uh Bob to bet. And classic Jew fashion, I've panicked at the last minute and changed my <laughs> mind. <laughs> um, and I'll be a bit biased, probably, but I'm going to go with Gio Reyna. Um, I think for me, when you think about it, if you look at some of the data behind his performances, he's been one of the key reasons why Dortmund can be so penetrative in the finals there. You know, his his progressive carries the amount of times he gets into the box i think um he's second in, in the Bundesliga league in terms of um carries into the into the penalty area so you see that he he's always involved he's always involved in the combination play he's so intelligent for a 17 year old um and you kind of saw him in, in, in uh, uh 2019-20 um where he got those little mini appearances here five minutes there ten minutes there and he's still so bright even though the uh, the production and the end product wasn't there yet. You saw what he was going to be about as a player, and now this season he's he's taken um, so many strides ahead. And obviously, again, I'm good. I'm going to be a little bit biased, obviously being an American, but um, I think for me, when you when you look at a player that you can really build around moving forward, obviously you can talk about the likes like Holland and then wondering if Central is going to be there or not. But Reyna is such a good player for his age, and again, so many good things run through him despite his tenderness. I think for me, that's that's that would be my pick.
0: Yeah, another great shout. Um, Obviously, as well, Jude Bellingham. Obviously, no one's picked him, but he's adapted well so far. So, another one to keep an eye out for in Dortmund. Um, So, lastly, we have the award for the best player in the Bundesliga so far this season. And as our special guest, Eric, we'll let you go first with this one. Who's your selection?
3: I think this has actually been the hardest one to choose when you sort of go up and down the you know, the various teams, um, but then when I say the hardest one, uh, then I come back to it actually being the easiest one because you know there are four or five that, that you could go for, but, but I think it would be crazy not to to go for Robert Lewandowski because I think uh, once again in this early part of the campaign. Uh, we as Bundesliga fans are being treated to something special, something that we will remember for a long, long time. You know, when we're talking and reflecting 20, 30 years from now, hopefully, um, we will remember this Lewandowski era. And um, I suspect I'm probably a little bit older than the the three of you. And, you know, I, I do this with, with some of the, the sort of the key phases of, of my football life, you know, and the the person I think of when I think of goal scoring is Gerd Müller. And as we speak at the moment, Lewandowski is on a pace to match or possibly catch the great Gerd Müller, who scored 40 goals in 71-72. So I think that even though there are you know certainly other people you could you could give this to and other players who have you know played simply sensational football for their various clubs in the first half of the campaign. And, you know, we mentioned Erling Haaland and and his importance to Borussia Dortmund. I mean, that certainly goes without saying, but I just think everybody is eclipsed by, you know, not for nothing, the FIFA World Player of the Year, Robert Lewandowski of Bayern.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to side with you on on that one, Derek. Um, I mean, if you look at his stats, I believe 20 goals and five assists through 14 Bundesliga matches so far this year. I mean, his form through the calendar, well, through the whole year has been phenomenal. But even by his standards, you might expect him to maybe drop off a little bit here and there. But like we, like Tom mentioned with his game before, scoring four against Herter, it's just a special, special player, and it's so nice. He's finally getting the recognition that he perhaps deserves, it, well, or has deserved in the last few years. So he would also be my choice. Uh, Drew, do you want to go next on this one?
2: I'm gonna stay with Bayern, but um, and again, we again, I, I, I never, I don't want to say that Lewandowski's been the easy pick, um, but <laughs> as I was saying pre-record, that a lot of people do tend to look at goals as in terms of why a player is performing, but I, I do agree with everything that um, we said about Lewandowski's performances, but for me, I'm gonna go Joshua Kimmich actually. Um, for me, I think if you, if you look at through it, again, I I, I the way i kind of analyze football as you know someone who's played and someone who now does a fair bit of coaching as well um i think for me he he again he's become such a central key figure not just for uh Biden, but also for the national team as well where um you know a lot of people don't realize that he actually spent a lot of time in the center of the park when he was younger um and then you know he moved over uh, to right back and then there was those comparisons with philip Blom you know during that uh, euro 2016 campaign and then now He's come back into where I think most people prefer to see him is back in the center of the park. And um, he's such an intelligent player. For me, I think, you know, again, the footballer IQ, it's something that you can really teach players. Either they end up having it or they really don't. And I think for me, he's such an aware player, so good on the ball. He has that. That subtle creativity, really, that what he, he pulls off one of those little dinky pests that he can do diagonally into the box. And you're just like, how, how do they pull it off? You know, it's the, for me, those moments that, that he can bring to a team, I think they're completely invaluable. Um, yeah, simple. I mean, I don't want <laughs> to go through too much to, into it, obviously. But yeah, I can think for me, he's been, he's been so good um, the last couple of years. But I think now, um, this year in particular, you've seen a lot of the performances that he's pulled through. Um yeah, he's, he's, for me, it's been sensational. So, think, yeah, that would
0: be my choice. Fair enough. And then over to you, Tom, to finish us off.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make it a buy and clean sweep, but maybe not the player most people would pick, and that's um, Leon Goretzka. And um, I'm going for him because, again, m- maybe he should be more in the kind of surprised me or under ages category, but I just think he's been so solid this season. And, again, he's another player that, um, that you weren't really sure what his level was or what his ceiling was. Um, And I think most people just kind of categorise him as a bit of a box-to-box, you know, uh, he he can play both ways in that kind of Michael Balak-esque, you know, vein. But for me, so much more than that, because he can play both ways, but he can play it to a world-class level. Um, Defensively, he's superb. We know he's put on a lot of muscle and, and he's really improved his physical game as well. Aerially, he, he can be dominant in, in the middle of the park. And again, particularly when playing alongside guys like, you know, previously like like uh, Thiago or or Kimmich, as, um, as Drew mentioned. Having that physicality can be such an asset to, to Bayern and can be so imposing to the teams they face. And I just think domestically he's been superb. You know when Bayern need a goal, he pops up and scores from range. He really kind of energizes the team. Uh, I love what it what he does with the ball. Seldom gives it away. And again, for me, he just epitomizes what what modern day Bayern Munich is in terms of his versatility, the amount of weapons he has in, in his armory. It's it's what makes Bayern so dangerous as a team. Is that they have they they have pretty much everything you'd want um you know and and no player epitomizes that more for me than Leon Goretzka who has just stepped on onto another level in 2020 um and every facet of his game um has improved and yeah it, it just I think he's, he's been fantastic and again it's it's one of those when whenever I watch him I'm, I'm impressed and I'm surprised and I notice him a lot more than I than I think I would uh and that for me is telling so yeah, I'll go with Goretzka. Um, you know the stats may, may tell a different story, but but to me, he's been he's been superb, and he always catches my eye in in in, in any game he plays.
0: Yeah, definitely started to add uh, goals and assists to his game a bit more as well, which is nice yep. to see. I think he's got four or five goals uh, this season so far across all competitions. So another great pick. Well, that'll be that for this segment of the podcast, if you will. But now I'm going to put both Drew and Tom on the spot for the last little bit of today's podcast as I know they're both very keen to ask you Derek a few questions regarding your career so far if that's all right
3: absolutely yes looking forward yep. to it
0: Tom fire away if you want to go first
3: oh, okay um yeah I, I mean
0: <laughs> I, I let's, guess let's a
1: big one, on one. <laughs> no <laughs> I thought it was going to be Drew but uh no I'll, I'll happily <laughs> go first um, I, I guess it's like as like a young sort of a young journalist myself the thing that I always am fascinated by is how how you got started out because I, I understand um, Derek that you did um, politics or something around that university is, is that right yep.
3: yes German yeah, and politics actually German language oh. and, and politics and international relations
1: perfect there you go well see, I see I did politics and IR as well and so it's fascinating for me to hear that that you kind of went down the you know the sports journalism route but I, I, I just I'd be interested to hear the story behind that and, and how it came to be.
3: Well I think something I always tell young aspiring broadcasters is you really have to be a self-starter. Um, it's not a job that you apply for in the traditional way you know you don't sort of look at adverts somebody needs a football commentator you apply and you get a job it, you know there are very few people who actually make a living As professional football commentators around the world, it's, you know, when I was growing up, it was a handful. Uh, You know, we're talking about, you could count them on one hand across the UK. Um, So I was this very sort of strange kid who used to talk to himself into a tape recorder. And, you know, I'm looking back, I'm actually quite proud of, of having had the confidence to do that. Um, because we're talking about the early days of of uh, recording devices, um, you know. When I describe to people now what we had, we had this big old-fashioned tape recorder at home, and I found it fascinating to be able to play my voice back. You know, uh, because I didn't grow up with that. You know, I didn't grow up with the idea that you could listen to yourself back. I thought this was amazing. Meeting for me when I got back home from Charles Runsey, who was the head of sport at BBC Scotland, and um, uh, it, it, it basically said, call Charles. So I did. And he said, well done today. Um, I hope you're ready for the next assignment. And I hope you're available to take on the next assignment, which is going to be this midweek. And it's going to be England against Scotland at Wembley. So that that was my second game on the air was England against Scotland at Wembley. But, um, you know, when I think back, um, people say, well, you must have been really nervous. I actually wasn't because I think when you're young you are not as nervous funnily enough as you are when you're you know I'm in my early 50s um, I'm probably a lot more sort of nervous and circumspect about things now than I was back then I said sort I of took it all in my stride but I'd also been building that body of work for a number of years without knowing I was really building a body of work you know so what I say to people is um, what you need to do is build your body of work and that can be done on your own time you know that can be done it 's a very solitary job that 's the one thing people I think don 't realize. They sort of imagine that you know football commentators are you know every day in the company of footballers and managers and other journalists and it 's this big sort of party it 's actually one of the loneliest jobs in the world because the preparation is all just on you and uh, you know I sit in front of my computer for for eight ten hours a day doing nothing but um, preparing for the exam to come, which is the game whenever that is, you know, at the weekend, maybe two games at the weekend and, um, you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail, as the old saying goes. So um, that's how it sort of happened for me. And uh, people say, well, well, you know, German politics and IR, what does that have to do with it? So, well, you know, the German part of it has been a huge aspect of my life, especially in recent years. Uh, And I was always a bit of a fanatic when it came to German language, listening to, um, in Aberdeen we had the North Sea of course right beside us and that meant a a sort of a radio gateway right across to Hamburg where NDR was and is located, Norddeutscher Rundfunk. So that was my listening, um, you know, most evenings was listening to German radio. So again I was, without knowing it, I was working away at my German just part of everyday life you know so um and then politics and international relations well you know football is political and, and of course it has a lot to do with international relations as well i think it's fair to say i think we could all agree on that um so um yeah i i think that that really is my story and i try to help people by saying you know think about your own story and think about um you Know being a self-starter, think about not needing somebody to tell you you need to do something, but just figuring it out for yourself. That if you want to make it in this business, it takes an awful lot of hard work, you've got to be really dedicated. Um, but a lot of it is down to you.
1: That's fantastic. I can't quite believe that England-Scotland was your second game. That's that's remarkable.
3: Yeah. Well, at the time, it was obviously not what I expected, but um, yeah. again, looking back, I, I, you know, I was very lucky to get that opportunity and and that's i suppose another you know part of the the story is if you are lucky enough to get that opportunity you know take it make sure you take it brilliant
0: i was just okay. going to ask quickly about um obviously the pandemic's taken over we can't go into uh, stadiums and stuff how are you commentating at the minute and what's the setup and like the process
3: well, that's a great question. I had a long spell where I couldn't commentate, and that really was the genesis of Backgarden Bundesliga when it started. And I wanted to do that because the Bundesliga, as we know, was the first big league to come back following the initial part of the pandemic. And I suddenly, realized, I suddenly was getting calls from you know, people like Radio One in the UK who wanted to talk about the Bundesliga. And I realized that there was not an awful lot of base knowledge of the Bundesliga. There was sort of surface knowledge from not just people in the UK, but really all over the world. But it hit home to me that there was not a deep knowledge of the history of these clubs, the the actual state of these clubs. So I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of at a loose end here. I'm not, you know, doing that much. So um, I um, uh, you know, I have a nice garden. I'm lucky enough to live in a beautiful area here right on the Atlantic coast, um, just to the north of Boston in Massachusetts. And I thought, um, why don't we create a nice little backdrop and just do a couple of minutes every day talking about the, the Bundesliga games. So that's kind of how that started, because I couldn't commentate, because there, obviously I couldn't get to the games. There wasn't the technology at that point that allowed for it, because obviously you need a, a certain standard of technology. Um, But um, after that, and you mentioned the the FIFA uh, 21 game, uh, I've been involved uh, in 19, 20 and 21 for EA Sports. Um, We did develop a technology that allowed me to broadcast what I needed to broadcast for the game at home. So that occupied a big part of my summer in actual fact was, uh, creating a studio, which is what we did here. We basically created a, a studio setup in the house and that was my daily routine. And I have to say, I loved it. It was, it was great, a great, you know, thing to take your mind off what else was happening during the summer. Um, and then, um, as you mentioned, I can't get to Germany, which is where I would normally do these games from. So for the ESPN linear games, um, they have been done from ESPN's headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut with very few people on campus. You know, I, I worked there many years ago when it was this hive of activity. I mean, now it's this huge campus with just a handful of people. And you'd be lucky if you bumped into anyone as you walk along the, the corridors of, of ESPN. Um, but that's only been a couple of games. Uh, so I've been sort of waiting. And uh, I, as you know, I'm, I'm very, very much associated with the, the, the Bundesliga's world feed, which is the commentary that you hear around the world, not necessarily in the UK all the time, because BT Sports will, will do its own thing um, for, for, for most of the games. But around the world, for example, in the US, uh, in Australia, in Africa, uh, you know, you name the, the region of the world, uh, then the international feed is what's um, taken and I've been working with the world feed for a long time and I really really missed it you know during those months um, you know the, the early part of the, the the restart and then the initial part of this season but I'm delighted to be able to say that we have a technology in place now that means that um, I and, and other people like me who work for the world feeds can commentate on the bundesliga from our remote locations so you know it's essential in a pandemic because otherwise how do you do you cover these bases and um you know so far so good so so that is where we are at the moment and i would imagine that's where we're going to be for for quite some time
0: definitely definitely uh drew do you have anything anything you want to ask
2: there's about 65 questions I'd oh,
0: like
3: well, to ask. We, <laughs>
2: maybe we one, don't have, we one, don't maybe have we that have kind of it. time. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I think the one for me, and maybe you sort of alluded to it before, so there's always, I feel like we, get, we all have the same story. There's, there's one player who really pulls us into a league if if it's, if it's new to us. Um, for me, that was Andres Molle when he was at, at Dortmund in ninety-five, mm-hmm. ninety-six when he came back. So my question to you uh, Mr. Reyes, who was that player for you that really pulled you into Bundesliga specifically? Because I know you'll have your heroes at Aberdeen, you may be in Scottish football, but who for you in Bundesliga was that player that really grabbed your attention? That really was maybe that um, that little spark that that really caught your eye, um, no matter when, when it was.
3: Yeah, that's a good question because um, you know I think the the the, the German players who really um, you know sort of spoke to me in the seventies were. Um, were Müller and Beckenbauer, because they were the two who were the most visible. They were the two sort of who you could watch and 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 say, my goodness, Müller is the best when it comes to finishing. Yeah, Müller is absolutely the best. Franz Beckenbauer is the classiest. I mean, you just have to watch Beckenbauer for two minutes as a young sort of impressionable football fan and think to yourself, crikey I would like to I'd like to be Franz Beckenbauer you know um unbelievable but I I think you know that was at that time I was um you know 74 World Cup I was seven the first World Cup I can remember watched every single game but I think the Bundesliga came slightly later um through listening to the radio and once my German um language became a big part of my life as well and the player who I would sort of point to in the 80s uh, would be Pierre Lidbarski who, you know, was a a fully fledged West German international at that point, but of course was also an icon at Kern. And you brought up Kern earlier on. I mean, I'm sort of fairly open about the fact that I'm a, you know, I'm a Kern sympathizer. You know, I, 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 that's, that's the way I roll when it comes to the Bundesliga. Now, Kern back then were, not the Kern of today. I mean, if you were having a conversation about the, the leading lights in German football, Kern would have been in that conversation, you know, back in the late seventies and into the eighties, along with Bayern, of course, but also along with Hamburg and Stuttgart, you would probably say around that time as well. And it could vary with regard to the rest of the clubs. So Pierre Lidbarski um, would be the one, and I've got a little story about Pierre Lidbarski because um, this was was quite interesting I went to Australia um to cover the Socceroos uh just before they were to qualify for the World Cup in 2006 that was for ESPN and um as part of being there ESPN had me sort of do a few different things and um you know it was an amazing story because they hadn't made it since 1974 but um we knew that Pierre Lidbarsky was coaching uh, in Sydney at the time. So they said, why don't you go over and, you know, get something with, with Pierre Lidbarsky So I, I did. And, um, you know, I was actually a bit nervous because you know, this was somebody who I'd sort of idolized when I was much younger. And I was thinking, I wonder what he's going to be like. I wonder if he's, you know, going to be, is he going to disappoint me? What, you know, what's, what, what's this going to be? Um, and it, it was, this was really, really funny because um, he walked over to me and I could see he sort of had a twinkle in his eye and he said to me, "I ah, said it is you." He said, "It is you." He said, um, "I watch you on TV all the time." Here he goes. Oh my goodness, that's great to great to see you. He said, "I watch your program every week." Because we did a program called Press Pass that used to be shown on um, on ESPN in Australia at the time. And I sort of had to. And I said to him, "I said, well, I said um, I should be saying it's you." I said because you were one of my heroes uh, growing up. So we had a good little chuckle about that. And um, it's always great when your heroes uh, come through for you, and and are the uh, the great people that uh uh that certainly pierre baski would would qualify as great person
0: love it class star oh, if only one day uh yeah it happened to me
3: <laughs> well you've always got to dream big and and you know keep believing because um you know and, and i i really mean that for, you know for everybody who who wants to to be in broadcasting believe in yourself because um you know if you don't then nobody else will
0: love it there, there's the inspiration everyone needs listening. Um, Drew, Tom, anything else? Well, I guess. Oh, Drew, Drew's one. got six, Drew, Drew, Drew <laughs> well, 64 yeah, to go, true. so I mean. We'll, we'll, we'll go for another five minutes, otherwise, we'll be sat here <laughs> till uh, the end of the week. Okay, fair. I uh, uh, a...
2: Go on, Tom.
1: No, so I had a, a very quick one, uh, Derek, which is I yep. guess um the fascinating thing I've always found about commentators is that so often um their careers can be. Uh, the, the careers can live on by just one sentence or one word that just captures a moment you think of Martin Tyler with Aguero or I think of Barry Davis in 86 with Maradona I mean, I, I, I don't want you to kind of say what's your like best bit of commentary because that might be a bit of a strange question to ask but is there one moment like that which which stands out from the Bundesliga where, uh, where not a lot needed to be said but you were just sort of taken aback by the enormity or the drama that was unfolding? Is that one moment that just stands out above all?
3: Um, I'm going to have to rack my brains, and I, I think it would be for others to say rather than than probably for me to um, to come up with that one moment. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling to sort of think about about one, and I think it might be a bit presumptuous of me as well to to do that. Um, I mean, thinking about moments that uh, you know that have been, there just have been so many. Um, I, I think maybe the Union, won, when, when I think back. I mean, I think, yeah. um, you know, that wasn't a great game. That was one of the scrappiest matches I've ever commentated on with Stefan Freund in, in Köpenick that night. And, but I think we were both aware, and, and I was really lucky to be with Stefan on that occasion because Stefan is from the eastern part of Germany. You know, he's from not all that far from, uh, from Köpenick, and, and he carries that sort of in his soul. And, um, you know, I think we both knew that we were watching you know a, a, just a huge story um a team from the east not even a big team from the east but certainly a team that had been around in the the old days of the the DDR um about to make it into the the Bundesliga for the first time and and so i think when um i think it was as simple as um uh, um i think i think what i said was i'm trying to think what the line was i think i said and you can probably find it on Bundesliga youtube if you go back and listen to it um, say hello to the new kids on the Bundesliga block. Um, Union have been promoted. And then Stefan did a big yell, you know, sort of roar. Um, so it's there for posterity. So so I think that that one is probably the one that's, you know, having sort of considered it for a few seconds, that would stand out for me.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I can't quite you know imagine what it would have been like to be there. I mean, just yeah. the emotion. And
3: yeah, that was a fantastic moment. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, more from you, Drew, and then we'll wrap up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's going to be difficult to pick.
2: It is. There's such a list. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> probably I would say, and uh, the way my brain works, um, I always trend towards wanting to ask insight about um, maybe how someone sees maybe the future looking forward. So for me, and I'm going to obviously asking this, with a bias you see and historically a lot of people don't realize that there's been a lot of american players that have been in buddhika you know dating yep. back to the 90s um you can think of uh you know even joe max moore played in, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> in buddhika and a lot of americans don't realize that but you yep. see the the influx of young american players now and you also see the connections that buddhika clubs are having with the united states in terms of you know buying and setting up um, installations in the U.S. You have I'm Jack Frankfurt, have a, an academy system brewing in um, I think it's Minnesota. Um, you have Bayern's connection to SC Dallas and you see the players coming through and a lot of people don't realize that how big football is in the U.S. at a youth level. You know, where where it falls short is things like pay to play and, and having all these players have opportunities when they get older into, you know, between U12 and U16 to really go on and show what they can do. But uh, with it. for you, I would ask if you really see more Bundesliga clubs going to this route, going into the U.S. Because with the population that we have here and how big youth sports are, there are going to be more players, the likes of you know the richest of the world. You know you have the Gio Reynas, there There's more of them here, but they're not discovered yet. But so we're very much still an untapped resource. So for you, see if we've seen the success of these players coming over to Germany. And, really, and you see what's going on with Weston McKinney as well, how he went to Schalke and now is that, you know Juventus, Tyler Adams, these kind of players. Do you think that this is going to be a trend that's going to keep going? Do you see more Bundesliga clubs trying to tap into the American market the way we've seen other clubs do it with other countries? Or, or do you think it will only be kind of a flash in the pan sort of thing?
3: No, I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I, I think it's something that will be a feature of life for young American players and for Bundesliga clubs going forward. You mentioned Eintracht Frankfurt. I had a long talk a couple of years ago with Axel Hellmann of Frankfurt on their boards uh, about their fledgling academy at that time in Michigan. Um, yes. The German engineering of football. That's the, the slogan that they you know, were using at the time. And you know, he was very bullish about it. And um, other clubs have thought along similar lines. And I think it just comes down to the fact that the US is a bit of an untapped market. And I think concurrently what's also happened is that younger players and also parents of younger players are seeing that the the previous US model for a professional footballer, just doesn't work. I mean, the idea that you can sort of go through college and wait until you're 21, 22, and then turn pro—I mean, you, you, you've you've essentially wasted the, the first five years of your career. So I think they're seeing that there is another way to do it. You know, there's another way to do it whereby you can still be educated um, and, and, you know, the rest of the world doesn't do the college system the way the U.S. does, where there's sort of a college for everybody and there's a course for everybody and a degree for everybody. Um, so it doesn't have to be that way. And I think the, the German clubs have typically have been very sort of smart, if you want to use that word, about how they've, they've put it all together and, and have you know, learned the market in the U.S., learns how you attract players, learn the best way to um, to bring them over, again, whether that's going to be in, in future through their own American academies or even, you know, through MLS academies, because we have seen that as well. We've seen that with people like Chris Richards more recently. Um, obviously, Gio Reyna had a very good education, thanks to his father and his mother, uh, when it comes to the footballing side of things. And will probably have been well prepared for the idea of going to Europe, maybe specifically Germany, you know, since he was, you know, in his pram, you know, since (laughs) going back to those days, because uh, that is what he, that's what the family has lived. So I think, um, yeah, and and I think it's something that American players really should be looking at as their passport to a footballing career. Uh, You know, it might be MLS for a lot of them. But for, for the ones who really excel, um, I think it would certainly make a lot of sense to be looking at, you know, what, these, what this current generation has managed to do in a short space of time. McKinney is a very good example of that. It's a shame he's not at Schauke anymore, but needs must, you know, in the current economic climate. And, um, you know, the, I think the one theme is as we get towards the 2026 World Cup uh, I have a feeling that I'd be surprised by then if the the US squad for that World Cup isn't you know perhaps 40 to 50% Bundesliga you know I'd be surprised if we're not at that point and maybe the ones who are not Bundesliga will have you know gone to another European league from there Um, but I think that is very much the future the US men's national team and the Bundesliga uh, and having a lot in common
0: Awesome. Well, I think unfortunately, because we're going to be sat here all week, like we said, (laughs) we'll have to conclude uh, this week's uh, special episode of the Get German Football News podcast there. Again, a massive thanks to Drew, Tom and Derek for all their helping expertise on this week's episode. As always, remember to follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with all things German football. The January transfer window is of course in full force now, so you can catch all the latest transfer news over there. But in the meantime, stay safe and thanks again for tuning in.